0: I hope that you've had a lovely week. This is our sixth week in our sermon series, "Finding God When Life Is Buffering." We've looked at various scriptures and we've heard some incredible testimonies of what God has done in people's lives during their season of waiting. Today, we're going to be looking at the story of Simeon and Anna in Luke chapter two, verses twenty-five through uh, through to forty. The scene is set not long after Jesus was born. And it is one of the early examples of people recognizing Jesus as the Messiah. As we read, look for what stands out to you. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul, too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old, and she li- and she had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, and then she was a widow, uh, a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and uh, and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their uh, to their own town of Nazareth and the child grew up and became strong and he was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him the first thought that struck me when reading this is what or more accurately who Simeon and Anna were waiting for the text says that Simeon was righteous and devout the holy spirit was on him and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel And it was a prophet who worshipped at the temple night and day, fasting and praying. Both of them were old, but their faith was strong. They desired to be in the presence of God. They longed for the salvation that only he can provide. Throughout our current series, I've thought a lot about the things that I'm waiting for. And if I'm being honest, Jesus has not been at the top of the list. I have the sense that this is probably Probably true for many of us. When we think about waiting, usually it's about the things that we don't have or that we have lost or that we are worried about. Spouses, children, jobs, healing or good health. All of which are good things that God has created us for. But how often do we desire and long for Jesus in the same way? How regularly do we pray and hope for God's kingdom to come? One of the greatest struggles of the Christian life is idolatry. Often we desire the gifts that God gives more than God himself. Please don't hear me wrong. It's okay to have desires. God has created us to learn and to have relationships and to enjoy his creation. However, it's important that we remember who it all comes from. That we worship our creator with devotion and rejoice in the blessings that he gives. When I think about Anna and Simeon, I'm reminded of people who I know display this passion for Jesus. People like 97-year-old Carol, who sits up the front of church singing her praises to Jesus with her thick Scottish accent. And when she talks about him, she comes alive. Her eyes open wide, her voice raises, and there's a sense of profound joy and gratitude. I think of a man from my last church who I call Faithful Phil, who is in his 80s. Phil used to regularly hound me for an updated list of our youth group so that he could pray over the kids name by name. Every Sunday, rain, hail, or shine, he would stand outside the church welcoming people as they walk in. When the church was struggling financially, he wanted to do his part, but he didn't have more money to give, so he signed up for a local paper delivery. Phil has this unwavering faithfulness and obedience to God. I could, st- I could share story after story of people in our church and others that I've been a part of who display this beautiful, loving devotion to God people who give us a glimpse into the person of Jesus. And it begs the question, how? How do these people maintain their zeal and passion for Jesus? How do they keep him at the center? We often talk about the importance of scripture and prayer and church and spiritual practices, all of which are essential parts of the Christian life. But I want to suggest something else that's crucial. I've noticed that the people who are most passionate for Jesus are those, who, uh, are those who have fully grasped and held onto their own salvation. What I mean by this is they know what Jesus has done for them and it has deeply moved them. They have not forgotten it. The salvation that I'm speaking of is what Simeon sings about God's plan for the salvation of the world had finally come. The long-awaited Messiah, who was prophesied about hundreds of years earlier, was born. Jesus was God in the flesh. Notice that Simeon said he had seen God's salvation. Both he and Anna recognized that the little baby Jesus was the hope of the world long before he achieved anything that he would be the glory or the pride of Israel and a light to all people. But what is the salvation they speak of? Now, we can't be sure whether Simeon and Anna fully understood what Jesus would go on to do. However, we know that through his life, death and resurrection, that Jesus has saved us from sin and death and paved a way for all of us to be reconciled back to God. That is the good news that we celebrate every, uh, every Easter. We are not saved by anything that we have done, but rather by the grace of God. Jesus has made a way for us. Our salvation is found in him and him alone. However, salvation is more than what Jesus has saved us from. It's also about what he has saved us for. Jesus is conforming us, the people of God, into his likeness through the ongoing work and presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. He's redeeming the whole of creation as his people, the church, responds to his leading. He's establishing his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven, here on earth. The Christian hope is both now and for forever. We believe that we are free from sin and that God is doing a new thing in us and our world. However, we also believe that life actually gets better for us after we die. We believe that one day we will be in heaven with God where where there will be no more suffering, no more pain, and no more death. Salvation has come. Jesus has started his plan of redemption. But it's also still in the process. It's still being outworked and eventually one day it will be brought to completion. That's what Jesus has come for. But what's even more important than that is why he came. And if you remember anything from this message, let it be this. Jesus loves you and he's willing to go to the ends of the earth for you and he's willing to die for you. And it doesn't matter what you have done or what you will do. Nothing will stop him from loving you. This is what salvation is all about. The question is, do you want to know him? Do you want to have a relationship with your creator? If you do, we'd love to have a chat or, and, and a pray with you after the service or, or during the week. Or maybe you have some doubts or questions that you want to talk through. Just get in touch and would and love to chat further. For those of us who know and have experienced the love of Jesus, do you recall the moment when you came to know God? Do you remember the sense of joy and peace and love that you felt? Have you grasped and held on to your salvation? I love what Tamani said when he shared his testimony in our service about a month back. When he came to know Jesus, he started noticing the beauty around him. His priorities changed. His marriage changed. His eyes were opened. Now five years on, he continues to recall what Jesus has done for him. He hasn't forgotten it. He hasn't taken it for granted. And I think that's a challenge for those of us who have known Jesus for a long time. If we aren't intentional about fostering our relationship with Jesus, we can take salvation for granted. We can stop appreciating that Jesus loves us and wants to do life with us. The reason we are always talking about spiritual practices is because they create space for us to connect with God and they remind us of what Jesus has done for us. If you've noticed that your faith isn't what it once was, I encourage you to get accountable with someone and try doing something different. You know, my flat at the moment, we often uh, do the practice of examine together. We reflect on our days and talk about the moments where where we felt closest to Jesus, the moments where we were most like Him and the moments we were not so much like Him, which can be quite often, And then we pray for each other. There's heaps of different things that you can try. Memorize a scripture. Put worship music on and go for a walk. Go for a hike and and pray in the mountains. Spend some time in God's word. If you want to encounter God afresh, all it takes is time and space. The last thing that stuck out to me was how Simeon and Anna reacted when they saw Jesus. Simeon praised God and and sang a song. And Anna gave thanks to God and shared about Jesus with everyone who was looking forward to the redemption of Israel. When we come to know Jesus and we fully grasp our salvation, a heart of uh, of gratitude and praise is the result. We come to church on Sunday and we sing songs and pray and listen to messages and chat with one another. We have life groups and Bible studies and youth group where we do similar things. What's the purpose of it all? Often we talk about the importance of community and learning from God's word and becoming like Jesus. All really important things. But hopefully the number one reason we do all these things Is because we want to worship Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. When we come to church on Sunday, the audience isn't the congregation. It is the God of the universe, the creator of all things, the savior of the world. There's a trap that we can fall into if we're not careful. is that church and groups that we participate in are all about us. And our growth. And if we don't like the content, we're not getting much out of it, we just bow out. Don't hear me wrong, spiritual growth is important. But worship isn't about us, it's about giving God the praise and thankfulness that He deserves. When we sing, we should be singing our hearts out, we should be eager to pray and give Him our thanks. We should relish the opportunity opportunity to tell others about the goodness of God. It's about Him, not us. Graham Kendrick puts it this way. Worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling which comes upon you. But it is vital that we understand that it is rooted in a conscious act of the will to serve and to obey the Lord Jesus Christ. We are going to finish by listening to a song called The Heart of Worship. And as we listen, I encourage you to think about what God may be wanting to do in you. Is there a step that you need to take? Is there a spiritual practice that you need to put in place? Does your faith need to be reignited? Do you need to foster a heart of worship? Or do you need to reach out to someone for prayer, whatever you need to do, as we sing this song, take some time to reflect.
1: I'm coming back to the heart of worship. And it's all about you. Jesus I'm sorry Lord For the thing I've made When it's all about you It's all about you Jesus When the music fades When all is stripped away and I simply come Longing just to bring Something that's worth That will bless your heart My God And I'll bring you more than a song For a song in itself Is not what you have required You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming.